Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him. And I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum P.I. is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just a magnet. Yeah, just a magnet. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same Doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there, grunting. Yeah. And then I'll step like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, oh, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like, deer, right there. Yeah, like and he's 30 already yards. 30 yards. Yeah. He he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at 140 in the afternoon back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yards shot, sent the combat veteran. And I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you killed that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass called me one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops. Sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, still coming in your ear holes, and we're talking some trophy does this episode. 
We're talking with Brian from the Pike County Trophy Doe Association. This is a serious membership. Very hard to get into. It was hard to get him on the show. <laughs> this guy very is very hard to get into. Hundred <laughs> percent. This guy is. This guy is uh, top notch facility. I guess the whole I, nine yards. I, They're I, just absolutely killing monster does down there. I said I need to get my application started to <laughs> filled out, and he basically just said, "Save your save your time." It's a waste yeah, he's of time. like save your you money. Know, you're not. You're your not time. getting in. I mean, it's, it's, you got to get approved by too many people. As nicely so. as you said, just don't waste your time. Is yeah, what he yeah. said. <laughs> Uh, we really enjoyed this one. Brian has a really good sense of humor, and uh, he started this page on Instagram and Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Both. And uh, I'm not sure if they have a Facebook or not. I'm I follow sure him either. on Instagram. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we follow him on Instagram. Followed him for like a year and a half now, and love his content and uh, just fun. You know, he's down in Pike County, and you know the big hype around there that's what everybody hears when they hear illinois oh it's pike county and he's down there making a trophy doe association so um just for the people that are watching this again we are in different clothes and different spots (laughs) and when we recorded the podcast so there's going to be a switcheroo on you when we get brian on the phone but and uh, i'm actually inside i think it's the first podcast i've ever recorded inside my house so my kids are in the background they got some mac and cheese so they're pretty solid right now (laughs) Late as hell for mac and cheese right now, yeah, but right? <laughs> they're pretty solid. So we're going to get into this episode. But before we do that, let's get into the people that make it possible. Uh, I'm going to start off with Exodus this week. Um, I'm going to hit you with another trail camp tip of the week. Last last episode, I talked about getting organized, getting things done. This episode, I want to talk about how you can, if you're going to get your cams out there, maybe think about not getting them out there so early if you're thinking about deer that's something me and homie are going to have to decide. Um, if you're running for Turkey, that's cool. That's something we're going to do this year. Um, be awesome just to get some strutting video some different things, figure out when they're out landing out in the fields, but for deer hunting for velvet, if you run as many cams as we do and you have to cover as many miles as we do, something that we're going to do this year is not put them out as early. Cause it seems like we get burned out on running cams when it's like the most important time to run cams because we've already checked them, you know, and ran them four or five times. So when you have that many, when you have 30 plus cams and now we're going to have 40 almost this year, mm-hmm. it's hard. It's just so time consuming to check those cams. And I know some of them we checked and haven't put up and haven't checked all year, but those ones in your area, you want to check right before season. So, we talked about it. We're going to try to wait and maybe cut off one, just one, one check. So two weeks later than we did last year and just see, cause you're out there. It's like 95 degrees. You're oh, pulling yeah, cans. Just horrible out there. So, um, it is something that we have talked about and we are going to probably plan on doing that, um, this year. So moving on here, going to get into last breath TV. Um, something I'm very excited about. Something everybody should be excited about is, their launch party is going to be coming July 23rd. Um, it is a Friday night in the Quad Cities. And um, here over these next few episodes, we are going to explain or break down one thing that we absolutely love about the launch party because it is damn near unlike any other event that is put on locally, let alone um elsewhere that you can go to so um very jacked up about that we're gonna have it this year and we're gonna be able to 
um, showcase that for everybody out there tuning in with uh, The Last Breath, guys. So very excited about that. We're going to be trying to pound that um, over the next handful of episodes, get some people in there, get the energy going that um, it was there a few years ago. So having said that, we're going to get into the episode here with Brian and uh, talking about these trophy does. All right, guys, we got Brian Johnson from the Pike County Trophy Doe Hunters Association. Can I get like, do you have like a pen if you kill a doe or something? Like, how do I become a member? Uh, we have a, <laughs> we have an application. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, the name of that sounds super like important. Yeah, got, super official. I, we've got a, uh, I, we call it the cabinet. We've got... <laughs> Me, I'm the president and founder, and then my friend Jake is our vice president, and then my friend Tim is our secretary of defense. <laughs> and um, we call ourselves the cabinet. We make all the decisions in a little checks and balances system. Nice, that's awesome. And, dude. and then we've got uh, Gen Pop members or whatever, just general assembly, <laughs> and. Uh, we've got an actual application to join. We call it the internship application because you don't get to be a member until a year or two after your internship. <laughs> <laughs> I so this is like, an, yeah, you better hurry up and get the application. Business. Yeah, we. Yeah. I've gotten I've gotten some people hit me up for it, and it's just I was like, dude, no, no interest because to even let you apply, I got to pass it through Tim and Jake. So. <laughs> <laughs> This is a strict club. Right. No that, one else is alive beside us. Long, I got it. Yeah. Right. Long gone are the good old days when I could just add whoever I wanted to. Yeah. You can't do that. You got to go. You got to make sure everybody's happy. You don't hurt any feelings. That's important nowadays. Yeah. So, no. And before, when it was just starting, it was just me and my buddies. And then it got bigger. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we found you on uh, Instagram and just followed your page. We love the, the comedy and just your sense of humor of like, you a lot of times you're like, is this guy serious or is he just bullshitting us? <laughs> and I love people that like that. I can't like fully find out, you know, I can't see the cards right off the rip. So um, I've been following you and I've been enjoying it. Listen to you on podcast and uh huge shout out to you for under working with us. I, I got called in tonight or to work the last time we tried to podcast and wasn't able to make it happen. So I want to make sure at a point to the listeners to know just huge props to you for, coming back on after I dropped the ball on having everything lined up. And then the railroad's like, Oh yeah, it's time to go. So I just huge, huge appreciation for that. Yeah, no problem. I know how it is. I got to go into work at the drop of a hat too. So yeah, I was yeah. Saying, this, this winter has kicked our ass really. I, I haven't done half the shit I normally do just cause I've literally worked with what well, we had, you know, almost 12 weekends this year. I probably worked nine of them. Yeah. Just we're, Friday night, you're thinking, oh, I ain't got nothing to go on. And then they're like, hey, I need you at work at, you know, 10 o'clock and you're going to be there till 12 p.m. on Saturday. You're like, oh, cool. You know what I mean? And But yeah. uh, like is, I said, with, just with your guys' work, is it one of those things where you show up and you just don't really know when you're clocking out? Yeah. 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 You just show up yeah. and the yeah, rule is same. they can hold you indefinitely. So yeah. that's the, that's the, their rule. So if like a natural disaster happened or something, they can hold us for a month working. Then we have, we can't do anything. So, um, yeah, you're, you're yeah. off at three, maybe. And if you can squeak out a minute early, 
you better squeak. You better squeak fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, uh, we, we want to have you, Don, and talk about a, multiple different things. But uh, the first thing I want to talk about, I, I made a post about walking out at night and how it's like you, you always think you're like carrying shit on your back and something's banging or dragging. And it's pitch black out. You're by yourself. And it's like after the first hundred yards, I said, if you don't look back behind you one time, you don't have a, you don't have a soul in your body. <laughs> you're a stone cold killer. If you don't look behind you one time on the way out, you had sent me a story and I was reading it and I was just absolutely dying. So I wanted the listeners to hear that. All right. Well, it's a three part story. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the- the first part is it was mid early or mid October, one of the two. And I was hunting on some public ground by my house and it's in, um, I was walking through this Creek bottom and there's huge, um, hills or bluffs on both sides, but it's the Creek bottoms pretty wide. And I was taking, I was walking this down North to South and then I was getting close to my tree because when I'm in the bottom, my onyx doesn't work that well. So I was getting close to where I thought my tree was, but I kept hearing something behind me. And it was before all the leaves had fallen. So you, you didn't know, like if it was a month later, I just thought it was some leaves blowing or something. Well, after about a hundred or so yards after turning around every couple feet, it seemed like, I was like, there's, there's no way that there's just, there's no way that there isn't something following me. So I, uh, I finally turn around when I'm, I just so happened to be right underneath the tree I wanted to be in anyway. So it was just dumb luck, but I turn around and I just see two beady little eyes and they're probably 20 yards behind me. And we have a stare down for about at least a minute. And then it, it moves its head, you know, side to side. And then it lets out, uh, it was, a, ended up being a bobcat. It lets out one of those, um, like snarl screech noises that they make. If you've ever, you can look it up on YouTube. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it let, and it was the most blood curdling noise I've ever heard in the, in the woods. And so I drop all, I like start throwing shit at it. I drop all my <laughs> I drop all my gear and I just start frantically climbing this tree. And at this point it's circling, it's circling downwind. So it's like, it's maintaining its distance, but it's going around me and the tree leans the opposite direction. So I have to, I'm keeping looking behind me like that. And I didn't know at the time it was a bobcat until, you know, the sun, because it lingered for like 30 minutes until I could just barely see it enough so I could get my headlamp on it and see what it was. Well, then it went and crawled up into, and stood on this log in this brush pile and just watched me climb this tree. And the whole time I'm thinking, this, this thing's going to wait till I get up and it's just going <laughs> to run up the tree. <laughs> but, you know, if it could see me, I don't see why it would do that. But yeah, I wasn't thinking straight. So... um uh, then it ended up going up and then crawling, like slinking up the hill and ended up getting a fight in a fight with a raccoon. At least I think that's what happened. But, um, so ever since then I was, I'm super edgy and 
then fast forward about three weeks after I shot uh, my buck, I had shot it at like two o'clock and I got down and it was dark and I go to find my arrow and I see these two, like I get to the bottom of the tree and I don't see anything or sorry, I was up in the tree and I don't see any eyes, any creatures around me. I get to the bottom of the tree and I look up and there's just eyes everywhere. <laughs> it, but there's only one orange set of eyes. So they all ended up being does and fawns and they kind of worked off. Well, this orange set of eyes just kept fucking getting, or I don't mean it, I didn't mean to drop that. Okay, yeah. It just kept getting closer and closer and closer. And then I see it's a possum. And I'm sitting there, I'm just trying to find my arrow. <laughs> and I've got my bow in hand. And this possum is running at me. Or it, it's just like slowly coming at me. And then it runs and it closes the distance about 20 yards and it's running straight at me. And I've got a high beam headlamp pointed directly at its face, hoping it's just going to play possum at some point. <laughs> and then it climbs up on this log and lunges at me like, <laughs> like claws out and everything just lunges at me. So while it's in, while it's in the air, I drew my bow back and shot it and pegged it to the ground. <laughs> And I called the the CPO uh, after that, and I was like, "Dude, you were never gonna believe what was happening to me." And he's like, "Dude, I'd have done the same thing." So don't worry about it. So I self-reported myself on that one because I didn't know if I had broken the rule. And uh, so then, fast forward again about another three weeks, and this is right before shotgun season. I think is when this next incident happened. Uh, I was hunting this, the private farm that I've been hunting since I was six years old. It's about 600 acres and it's, uh, the South half is all river bottoms. And, um, I, and there's coyotes are thick over there and I coyote hunt quite a bit, but it just seems like I never put a dent in them, but I was, there's three, I know that I know for a fact that there's three packs that run on this same property, whether they live there, I don't know, but I know that there's three packs then run this property. Well, I was in the river bottoms and it's a one mile straight shot walk back to the truck. And these coyotes start sounding off behind me. And once I get out of the bottoms, I got to walk through a semi-open field it's about knee-high chest-high brush for the most part like a, a fallow field they used to plant it but they don't anymore and i i'm walking through this uh this lane that was cut in this uh brush field or whatever and i look behind me and there's a whole bunch of coyotes following me out of the uh the river bottoms and um And so I keep looking behind me and they keep, they, they never got any closer, but they, they were still following me. And there's probably, I don't know, ballpark seven or eight of them. And then, so it's three quarters of a mile to walk through this bottom field. And then you go up a field road on a hill and then it opens up into a cornfield up top. And as I'm going up and this field road that goes up this hill is um, grown over with trees. So it's like a tunnel. 
And so it's really dark in there. And I keep turning around and I keep seeing these eyes and they're coming up the hill behind me. And then, so I crest the hill on top in this cornfield and it's a really small field. And there's 13 more coyotes waiting at the, in this field up top. And they're just all bouncing around and they're what they're like, who are you? I'm there. They're wanting to know what I was. Cause these coyotes were yipping and shit behind me the whole time. And uh, I get up to the top and I just start, you know, making all kinds of noise, kicking corn stalks and whatever. And they had already cut it. Well, then I walk around and then you got to walk back to the, uh, the truck down this access road. So I get up to, uh, this lane and I'm walking back to the truck and this, this field's all connected, but, um, it's in two pieces and I get to the second field and there's a bunch, and there's the same gaggle of coyotes had moved over to this side, but there's a, a real young one that's running or jogging straight at me down the, uh, um, the access road to get to the truck. And it was so small, I thought it was a bobcat at first for some reason, or like a stray cat. I didn't know. It was just really small, and it was dark. And then I uh, I had my work flashlight. By now, I had started to bring more than one flashlight. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've got my, so I've got my two Infinity Candle Power flashlight from work. And I'm walking out like this now that I see the uh, this mysterious creature, and it's coming at me. And it won't, it's not stopping. And then it finally picks its head up and looks at me and turns broadside and it's a really small coyote. And then once it turns broadside, it cocks its head back and then starts running at me again. So that's what I did again. I pulled it, pulled a bow back and I was like, I'm just going to have to shoot this coyote in the head. <laughs> and I, it, I ended up not having to, it ended up running away, but I was like, this, and that was all in about six weeks. Three must near death experiences like, in six weeks. Must be consuming a lot of beef jerky or something. <laughs> I had no idea because I know that this one particular farm is a very predator-rich environment. There's just coyotes. There's everything everywhere. And there's been mountain lions spotted, you know, on up and down this particular river quite often. So I, I never rule anything out. Yeah. And my cousin always roasts me because I usually always have a gun on me. and uh, like on my belt. And he said, well, what do you need that for? It's a mountain lion defense. <laughs> so, Yeah. Homie, homie's editing a mountain lion footage right now. And he was telling me about it. They ain't no joke, man. Those things are serious. It's just as hell. Years ago, there was a, um, a kid spotted one bow hunting like two miles from my farm. So, yeah, on the uh, on the and then farm, they had trail cameras of it. On the uh, farm that I grew up hunting, um, they had in a in a five year span there was two or three that were sighted and, and they killed them both. And actually, I think one got hit by a car. And um, it was probably like my very first, second, or th third year of like trying to get out of my normal routine, go to different places and hunt. And I was walking in one morning. And down by like where I would normally hunt, um, I heard the most god awful screech like you probably had heard. And it was around this time where this cougar was out there and shit. And I'm just like, okay, so I'm just gonna haul ass right to my stand. And um, that was one time that I was definitely like scared 
for for my safety out there. And um, we we do have bobcats out there on that farm. I've seen um, yeah. about three or four of them now. So I'm not sure back then if it was bobcats or what the hell ex- exactly <clears throat> was going on over there. But um, definitely a little – let you know you're not out there by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I always think that I'm going to see something just taking a snooze in my deer stand when I walk up to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the stand, the stands that I have that are pre-hung, I always, in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm just going to walk up and there's just going to be a curled up, you know, 150 pound Tom mountain lion sitting in my tree stand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad. Like, you can have that one, bro. I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> my dad's always gotten in the habit of like shining up there, you know, so you could see an eyeball or something if, if that was the case. And I don't know. I've just never, never really done it. I just always whoop and one day I'm, I'm definitely going to probably get a surprise sooner or later. You got to climb up there. That's me a coon. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there's coon shit all over up there, you know? So that, I mean, they're definitely there. Yeah, definitely up there. And chilling. as many coons as we got on the, on the pieces we're at, you know, it's yeah. the realm of possibilities is going through the roof. Raccoon, raccoons killed the batteries on my spy point. There's so many of them. Oh yeah. I don't think there's near many coon hunters anymore and they're just, no. They're just maxing out right now, but I, you were talking about possums. Possums have <laughs> nothing going on for them, but they are sneaky as hell at night. <laughs> That's about the only thing they got. Ugly as hell. I don't know what else. Slow. I mean, they got nothing going on, but the one in the, remember the one in the garage, homie? Uh, <laughs> the possum in the God. garage. <laughs> we're out talking in my garage, chilling. <laughs> And then we hear like a little ruckus over there. There's a possum four shells up, zigzagging through my shit. And, and we caught him. And he's like, oh, they yeah, got me. I got to chill out. Cody's like, like oh, that oh shit, there's a possum yeah. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, look at that thing over there. I've, I've had uh, uh, coyote calls out before and had possums walk up to my calls. Dang. Yeah. I'm like, there's no there's no bugs here for you to eat. I, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? What are you doing? <laughs> they, I mean, they're they're munch on a dead animal, yeah, so yeah, they're eating about whatever they can get. I give you the one thing: you are the first person I've ever heard, read, or anything that a possum attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I will give you that. Yeah. Number two, bobcats are probably more predatory towards human beings than we ever know about because most bobcat attacks are like publicized yeah but it's a, it's a pretty common attack to get attacked by a bobcat but usually yeah. usually more on a turkey hunter front yeah towards yeah. a turkey hunter than a deer hunter but yeah i was thinking the whole time once i knew it was a bobcat i was thinking you know i'm willing to bet in a life or death situation i could i could bet <laughs> a bobcat in hand-to-hand combat but I was not willing to take that chance, given the right. fact that I was in the, I was in their arena. All right, what about three bobcats? Three bobcats. I'm tough. in the dark. Three bobcats in the dark. No, three three <laughs> bobcats. My old lady is rich. <laughs> All right, what about six possums in the dark? No weapons other than your fist, and they're vicious. They are vicious. <laughs> they're hissing uh. and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I bet. Well, six positive. I mean, I don't know. 
because you say they're not fast, and typically they're not. But this they one had fast, some, this so. one had some wheels. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got Usain Bolt possum well, yeah. out there. Okay, we got yeah. six, we got six very organized, top of the gene possum in the dark. I think I'm out, man. I'm, I yeah, I'm, I'm out. out on I'm out on I that. Don't these, weigh them, but I mean, they're these, all going to come at me at once. It's it's going to be rough. It's going to be yeah. Rough. These public these public land possums, dude. Sometimes they're <laughs> yeah, new, yeah. They're new exactly. species. They're a whole never. I got ground scented by a public land possums. I'm I will never forget that day that it happened to me. I'm, I'm in the tree, like, oh yeah, we didn't bump anything. Good to go. Possum comes in, ground scents, walks right like comes right into where I walk and turn right around. I'm like. I just got sent by a possum. We ain't seeing shit today. <laughs> Public land possums are harder to kill. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. <laughs> uh, out, out there, out there when animals attack. That that TV show needs to follow you around, bro. <laughs> right? Dude. Shit. You ain't wrong. I'm, I'm just yeah. like... I'm a bad luck Brian. Like my my cousin could go my cousin could go kill a fucking deer on in the middle of I-72, but if I if I go put all, you know, I'm just I'm just bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> no matter how much I try. <laughs> gotta do your best out there. Hell, you got a possum, should have got it mounted all all no, dude, I was <laughs> I was so I was so wigged out that I was like, dude, get me the hell out of here. Oh, <laughs> that night gets better let me re, let me retrace back to to the night i shot the possum and the deer my <laughs> compass was off by 90 degrees <laughs> <laughs> so i'm walking out i end up walking i almost walked off of a bluff because uh i was going there's one particular ravine i had to take to get back to that creek bottom to go back to the truck and i was going straight north when I should have been going almost straight west from where I was. And oh uh, yeah, it took me an extra hour or so, an extra hour or so to get out on top of an already 30 or 40 minute walk. Yeah. So there was some paranormal activity going on. Your compass is off, possessed possums. There's some weird shit. I always suggest that deer did not want me to find where it was bedding. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. See, Cody, Cody, um, that's my problem is my compass is just off 90 degrees. Yeah, that, yeah that's my yeah, problem. Yeah. That's what you're gonna say the whole time. Like, dude, my compass is jacked it's right smoke, now. What bro. is going on? I'm like, oh, you got a compass? No, the compass in my brain, man. <laughs> yeah, that one, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the North Star was east tonight. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know what is going on? It's weird how that shit happens always, when I'm by myself. <laughs> yeah. I always suggest, like, right before the rut, I always post that, uh, the Hunter video, the DVD. I don't know if you've ever watched that or before or not, but it is wicked. It's about these two guys that are, like, after this giant deer, and they're going to film it, and they're hunting some ground that's, like, a house burnt down on or something, and their stands start getting messed with, and then... He ends up shooting the deer and he's tracking it and some crazy shit happens. But you know, uh, if you've never watched that and then you you watch it and then you walk out of the woods, you're really questioning all the noises you hear. I better watch it now so that I can forget about it by October. Yeah, we're yeah, on vacation and Cody's like, like or something. Yeah, Cody's like, Hey man, have you seen that movie where they where they get all spooked out and shit? Uh deer hunting. 
I'm like, dude, we just literally left hunting. We're going hunting in the morning. <laughs> you're trying to get me to watch this movie that you said, oh, dude, it'll wig you out. You you will always be looking behind you in the woods. I'm like, hell <laughs> yes. no, I ain't about to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like kind of a cheesy movie. Like it's not like super good acting, but I mean it it's decent, but it 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 will. They like go to this house. They're like, oh, there's this old chimney here. I wonder what that is. And it, what? What is going on? <laughs> the, the listeners cannot see what I just seen. But I, there was a whole fan that just went through the screen. <laughs> did you see that, Brian? I did. I certainly did. I was wondering. I was like, what? You little, we you little, what is going on right now? You a little hot in the undercarriage? Yeah. He's like, I got to get this fan down low. I turned the mic off so the video wouldn't come to me. And uh, the problem is I'm charging my phone. My phone's getting a little hot. I'm running the audio, running the Zoom. Just got to cool my phone off a little bit. <laughs> Everything's good. Buy a new phone, bro. <laughs> you got the stimmy. The stimmy hit. <laughs> Get the phone. Oh, God. We are so we are such a high class production. It is insane. Oh, yeah. This production, this production <laughs> This is elite production quality. It's elite production. Yeah. <laughs> We only had the Zoom can't quit on us twice before we started. <laughs> Hold on. Hey, one second. Be right back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is this is normal uh, 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 wiped out legacy. That's what we should have named this thing. Yeah, just wiped out from the get-go. Yeah, absent- accidentally changed our name. <laughs> they, they knew the they, truth. They knew. They, that, that's what yeah. you call destiny. Yeah, yeah, that is destiny. When you write down your name on a paper and they say, <laughs> wiped out legacy. <laughs> like, yeah, that's us. Here we are. <laughs> I mean, you can't. I'm like, the third time that they said that, I'm like, are they saying wiped out legacy instead of whitetail? Yeah. <laughs> sure as shit. I thought it was like, oh, they're just joking. And then they said it like the ninth time. I'm like, no, they, they really think that's our name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that that movie is is solid. It 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 get you. It, I, you got to get it on DVD. I'm sure it's on Amazon Prime or something. I'm sure, but I don't even have a DVD player. I'd have to like put it in my laptop and hook it up or something. <laughs> I got this DVD player for like eight bucks uh, last year because I bought this brand new fancy TV, and the the it was on clearance, and the box said that it had a DVD player in it, and it certainly does not. <laughs> Damn it! So I guess I, uh, that's why I was on clearance. There you go. Yeah, I I got I like to watch those white tail adrenaline guys. Love that kind of shit, and only on DVD. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I gotta have an HDMI cable to a laptop just to watch that. That's like the only DVD I. I did watch The Perfect Storm on DVD the other night because I couldn't find that damn movie anywhere, and I was like, I'm gonna watch that movie, The Perfect Storm. Coming on, yeah, awesome. All right, well, uh, this year, probably around the time was at the time that you were trying to find that buck. You had your first experience with the blood tracking dog. That was possum uh, night. That was possum night. Yeah, so you're already worked up from the possum. You didn't need blood tracking done on that, but uh, 
the buck that you shot, you needed some. And that's something that I've called guys before, but never committed on getting a dog. So what was your first impressions using them this year? Um, worth the money. The, um, the, what happened was, let me walk you through the hunt and the shot real quick. And then you'll understand where I even got the dog. So where I was hunting, I was hunting the wrong spot in this particular strip of land. I was hunting the wrong spot based on the time of day I was hunting it. Cause I had the trail cam going, the deer were going back and forth from this bedding area down to a water source and then back up on top of this bluff hill thing. But I'd never been up there. So one day I hunted the morning down in the bottoms and I said, well, I, I mean, I get, I get my camera lights up here, but I haven't ever seen many deer in this spot. So, but I had this one buck that was coming down, down the hill past my camera at like seven o'clock every night toward like away from the food toward the bedding area, toward the water. So I went back up there. I found that I found 40 <clears throat> acres of straight up red oak trees, not a single other tree in the whole, on the this whole ridgetop, straight red oak trees. And um, and then there's a, some private property right across the fence. So I got up there and I started looking around. I see all these tall, skinny oak trees and there's acorns everywhere. And I just see, I start seeing scrapes the size of car hoods. And I'm like, yeah, this is him. So <clears throat> I just find a tree and climb it. And then 45 minutes into my hunt, I hear crunch, crunch. And then all of a sudden this deer is just walking out of some honeysuckle mm -hmm. on this private. And I'm probably only 40 yards from the fence it's not that wide and then he just basically walks toward me turns broadside at 23 yards and starts turning south to go down toward the bedding area and i just rushed the shot i couldn't get him he took once i hit, hit him with the meh he took an extra step but i had already shot so it was <clears throat> straight guts and Best case scenario, I got, I would have got liver on exit, but I don't think that that's what happened. So straight guts, sent the picture of the arrow to everyone I knew. They're like, yeah, you need to just sneak the sneak out of there and we'll come back in the morning. Well, my cousin and my buddy Devin um, met, met me there in the morning and we looked for five or six hours, found blood. <clears throat> Then I found it, um, it was right on the fence row, and I thought he went over onto the neighbor's property. So it took me a couple hours, finally got a hold of them, because they don't live in town. Finally got a hold of them, they said go over there. So we start, We kept tracking, blood just dried up, walked all over hell and creation, couldn't find it, couldn't find a deer or any more blood. So I backed out, called a couple buddies, they're like, hey, call this guy uh, out of Effingham, he will, um, he's the best there is. And, but he's also very busy and he does it on donation only. So, but he, he is running all hours of the day and night all over the place tracking for people. And so we are now, when I got a hold of him, we were about 24 hours after the shot. 
Then he said, dude, I got to go home and take a nap. We've been doing tracks all day. The dog's got to rest. And then I got to go vote. It was election day. He goes, then I got to go vote. Um, I don't know if I'm be able to come out, but I'll call you like, at like five o'clock. So I'm sitting here in the same recliner and he calls me at like five o'clock and he goes, so we fucking doing this or what? <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah, brother. I'll meet you at the gas station and you know, at seven or whatever. So around seven or eight, he meets me at the gas station. We go up to the, go to the spot. We got permission from that landowner to park in that driveway because that house is under construction and he wanted someone to make it look like someone was home. So the, the, the stuff didn't get messed with. So, and then I told him I was a cop and he was like, yeah, dude, do whatever you want. So uh, we, we accessed from that and got on the freshest blood from a direction that we hadn't walked yet, which was, I guess, really important for the dog. And um, within a matter of minutes, that dog had tracked and found two beds that we hadn't found, tracked him um, basically in a zigzag down a huge ravine across a creek, up a bluff, made a U-turn down, down the bluff. Because when the guy said, I guarantee you that deer tried to go up that way, couldn't get up, couldn't get up, and then turned around. So he made we made a U-turn, went back up the hill, found another bed. And then we just had like gas station napkins from Casey's in our pocket. We're just throwing them in these beds so we can find them. And... um. Then we end up going and we're like, not this, not that big of an area. You can definitely see us. Like we couldn't, we didn't go anywhere that we couldn't see where we had already walked, if that makes sense. So, but we were just doing this weird pattern. Then uh, we end up finding the deer still alive, bedded down in a brush pile. So the uh i was down i was behind them quite a bit because i'm like you he said just stay out of the way of the dog don't get in, don't get in the way of the lead just let him do his thing <laughs> there's three of us and i'm the caboose and we're walking up the hill and he's just like deer and apparently he goes i didn't i didn't see the rack but it was his head was really really wide like he had his eyes were really wide his head was huge and his body was huge and he was hurt i said okay well that's my deer and then that dog tracked that deer on its ass for another probably a mile. Up and down, up and down, up and down, through the thickest shit known to mankind. Until a mile later, the handler said, we got to call it, dude. This deer is not going to die right now. So we had our, uh, I was sad sacking it for a while, and then we ended up walking out. Uh, back the way we came, loaded the dog up. I gave the dude a hundred bucks and uh, that was it. It gave me the, they gave me closure that the deer wasn't just laying dead somewhere. And I get off work at uh, a little before 7am. So I was driving um, that road because um, where I hunted is really close to where I work. So I would drive that road on the way home looking for crows or whatever buzzards, like maybe the deer died over here somewhere or something, but never found it. Ended up going back the next day, 
um, uh, just slow roll, just walking through the timber with my bow um, in case I happened to find it or find more blood or something. I ended up walking in on a guy hunting the same tree. So I just left. Um, the, I didn't go back to that spot for another month. I, after that, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I just had a bad taste in my mouth. So I just didn't go back to that spot, but the dog was worth every penny because I know that if it was just me and my cousin and my buddies walking through the woods, we never would have found those beds. We never would have known which way to go. Guarantee you, we never would have found that deer alive because that deer would have been long gone. And um, on this particular ground, you can't do track dogs during the daytime. So wow. they, so we had to do it at night. So that was a kind of a pain, but I think if we would have done it the net two days later in the daytime, there's a better chance we could have found it. But he said the longest track they've ever had with a successful recovery is like 54 hours. And that's like, he has no idea how that, you know, he doesn't think we shouldn't rely on that type of, on the, on that data. So yeah. he said within, within 24 hours or 36 hours is ideal. Tracks still be fresh enough unless it rains or whatever. But yeah, that's pretty crazy, man. That that dog was still the next day was able to go in there and find those beds. And after like we said, after I mean, we after we had already walked it all. Yeah, I mean, you were probably walk. I mean, if you like you said, if it was just your buddies out there walking, you would you probably wouldn't even have got that close to that deer to even see him jump up out of that bed. And then right. you would have been like, oh, this deer, you know, I I don't know what happened. That's what you hear the story of everybody and. The, just the amount of knowledge you got for paying that hundred bucks to see how that deer used the terrain in that area when he was injured. That's huge in itself. Just mm -hmm. we wanted to have a blood track guy on here just to talk about like, what's some of the commonalities that you hear, like the myths of what deer do go to water, go to this, blah, blah. But you'd like, if they've been on 50, 60 hunts, that guy has an idea of like, okay, this deer is about to do this. He probably does that in that many in a month. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to like talk I know, to a guy that and, and dig into his brain. Can, can all, like, when, when we get off of here, I'll give you his info. Yeah. Just be He's able a super, to be like, hey, super you know, solid dude. I think it would, I think it would benefit anybody that wanted to get a dog or anybody that was just tracking a deer and having, we've all been there where you put a bad shot on something and you're tracking it and you try and do your best and you go out there and you know, it, it either, it always comes down to it went on a property that you couldn't access or you should have got a dog one or the other. And that's why you lost it. You know yeah, what I mean? I so, had, I mean, I, I covered my bases all the way around. Yeah. Um, you did the right me, thing, you know? Right. And I was, I made probably um, 50 phone calls that day trying to get a hold of the guy who owned it. Cause Onyx didn't have a property owner. It had a company name, but the company name was different than what the actual company was. And then I had to find the guy and I'm getting hold of a property manager. That was all I needed. And, uh, and he actually says, when you call him, if you, he'll usually make you leave him a voicemail and he'll say, this is so-and-so from whatever track service. Um, not answering the phone because of this reason. So leave me every, all this information, he'll list a bunch of information I need before I even call you back. And also, if you think that we're 
getting close to the neighbor's property, go ahead and get permission from them or else, you know, we're not going to waste their time. Yeah, that's good. You know, you hate to have a guy out there and then, oh man, I need to get permission. And then you got to do spend two hours trying to get a hold of the guy. And Right. And then he's standing there for two hours with his thumb in his ass pissed off at you. Yeah. And I understand you, you know, there's always that stigma of, you know, you tracking a deer, there's guys out there hunting. You got to track the deer, but you don't want to ruin their hunt. And, it, 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 you know, you're like, I, I got to do it, but you feel bad. Because we had that, we had a guy shoot a, a buck where me and homie hunted, and he walked all through the stuff. And you can't be mad at the guy. Because if it was you who shot that deer, he shot him in the shoulder. You got to put every effort you can to find that deer. You know what I mean? But just walking through where someone's hunting and they're sitting in the tree and they've been out there for four or five hours. You're like, damn it. I just ruined this guy's day. But mm -hmm. that's what I felt like. Cause I, I was, I crept up on this dude or it wasn't the, the same tree he was hunting that I shot the deer out of. It was the bobcat tree. So I snuck out this Creek bed and I got all the way to the bottom of the tree. And then all of a sudden I just see like four, a whole bunch of sticks going up. <laughs> and I'm like, and he had no idea I was there. <laughs> no idea and i had to like pss, pss, and like clap and he finally turned around he's like oh hey what's up man i just saw a four pointer <laughs> yeah i was yeah. like all right well if you, i was like all right well if you see a 10 pointer with a hole in him here's my phone number yeah so but yeah. it's hard it's hard to know though you got to track the deer plain and simple it's just part yeah. of it and that's what i spent I spent probably four total days yeah, looking for him. And I even, I even uh, put out a thing on our Facebook group. Me and my cousin may have a Facebook group for public lane hunters. And I even put a thing out there. I was like, Hey, <clears throat> anyone hunting this area, you know, check the riverbank, the shoreline, whatever, check the roadsides, you know, this is the ballpark area where it was. If you see anything, let me know. And then I got a bunch of people send me DMs that are, uh, they're like, hey, I was I was out fishing. And I saw, I think I saw you walking the, walking, looking for this deer. Um, if that's the area, then yeah, I'll keep an eye out. And no one ever found him, but, but also every single post on every, on everyone's Facebook for like a month of like, Hey, whose deer is this? I would look at the trail cam pictures and I was like, Oh, that there's like a 4% chance that could be my deer. But I was just yeah. trying to convince myself that someone had found it. Yeah. It's hard to look at like trail cam pictures and then look at a deer and be like, ah, yeah, that that's, that's him for sure. Unless he's got like some debt, you know, exact characteristic, like a flyer or something that a lot of bucks might not have, but if it's, right. you know, it's just some, mainframe 10 you're like man a lot of mainframe tens look the same and but you know that's that's cool that you actually got the to watch the dog work that's something that you know i hope i don't ever have to call a tracking dog but i i would like to go with someone if they did have to just to watch them how the deer use the terrain because you could learn a lot of valuable stuff and then like you said that guy's been on you know he's doing 50 60 in a month, he said, that's, that's insane. You know I mean? He's out there. I mean, there. I guess, I mean, it sounds like during October, end of October and all of November, he's several per day. 
that's crazy. So what did he say what his success rate was of finding them or anything like that? No. Um, I guess it's all depends on it's per on each, each situation is different. Yeah. I know when I called mine, I, I had put a shot is, you know, it was a decent shot. It was cording away hard. (laughs) And I just kind of wanted their opinion. And the guy asked me, he said, do you think it's gut shot? And I said, no, I think it's up in there. Maybe one long guts. And he was like, well, if it's gut shot, we'll, we'll find it. You know, that's what he told me. He said, well, the deer is going to die and we'll find it, you know, but it might, might take some time. He said, when we find it, it might still be alive, but we're, we're going to find the deer. So, but I know yeah, people I, that put decent shots on deer and jumped them three or four times. And it's just, they're crazy, man. That, I think that arrow gets in there. And in our brain, we think it just flies straight as an arrow when it's in there. I think it gets in there and hits stuff and just. Well, this was don't know this exactly. one. Zipped, this one zipped right through him, like no question. Huh. And you know, fixed blade, broadhead, what the same arrows I've been shooting forever. Yeah. And uh, I found out a couple months later that the guy that I ended up calling. Um, he was recommended by, um, uh, the CPO, a bunch of dudes in this Facebook group, as well as, um, a couple of locals who had used him before and a coworker. And then I found out a couple of months later that he, uh, helps Don Higgins out as well. Oh, nice. Was, was, yeah, Don, Don, pretty decent. Don doesn't live far from me. Nice. Yeah, you're definitely getting around then, getting some exposure. But yeah, we we'd love to chat with him. Get his yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's his thing, but I'll definitely give you his his phone number for yeah. his business see, phone to see what he's up to. All right. Well, the Pike County Trophy Doe Hunters Association. Um, is there anything in particular that, that people should know about it? Um, <laughs> well, really. The way we started was me and my friends, David and Zach, we were over at my cabin and me and my grandpa have had this place for 20 plus years. Nice. We were over there. It was 2015, I believe. And we were over there and we was Halloween weekend and we just got back from a Halloween party and we were all drunk as hell sleeping on air mattresses in the floor. And there's this really big name outfitter that's right down the road. And I won't say their name because if you, if I did, everyone would know what I was, where I was, <laughs> but, uh, they, um, we were like, we should just go down to their headquarters. And, uh, cause we had shot a bunch of does and we were like, we should just load up the truck with a bunch of does and go down to their headquarters and show them what real deer look like. <laughs> and, and we were hammered and this was just the funniest thing to us at the time. And so, um, we went and we, we started just rattling off ideas and we're like, how about the Pike County trophy doe hunters association? And they were like, light bulb went off. They're like, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, and we made these jokes like, Oh, we're, we could be a fake outfitter for doe hunts and stuff like that. <laughs> so, uh, the, when we got back to town the next day, 
uh, we made our social media accounts and it's just snowballed from there. It's, it originally, it turned into just kind of like a, a hunting group, I guess. I mean, we, we can't deny that we're a legitimate hunting group in our, even if it's only in our own minds, but it's just a bunch of us. We got a group text and we, uh, me and my cousin, we started filming our stuff and his YouTube's pretty sweet, at least for just being year two. And, um, uh, and we, we have a, uh, a bunch of inside jokes about, you know, does before bros, um, <laughs> Uh, putting pussy on the pavement <laughs> stuff like that it's and it's grown to where you know we it's just a bunch of my buddies just thought it was hilarious and they wanted to be in it and now we every year we have a uh, a pro staff outing where we call ourselves pro staffers i think yeah this is a hat we got <laughs> nice <laughs> we got merch and this was made on microsoft paint and, um, fire and i've got a i got a guy that used to be my jv baseball coach that he's uh he has an uh like a um design company and so he hooks us up with all our merch and uh so we started making we started getting hats and shirts and sweatshirts and all kinds of shit made just for us and every year we go and we do a different apparel order every year and we get something new and then every year we meet at my cabin and we just hunt all weekend. And it's only like, it's not that big. So we're hunting on top of each other, but it's more of the, the getaway weekend, the weekend with the boys than, than anything yeah. else. And yeah, so it's, and lately in probably the last two or three years, we've had a lot of success, like a lot. We've killed a lot of good deer. And we say, um, at least I say it as like antlers are just extra credit. And I told homie that this morning mm -hmm. and I was like, dude, antlers are just extra credit. We're just out there to hunt, just trying to be better, um, uh, better hunters, learn as much as we can bounce ideas off each other. We're really into like the land management thing now. And we call my property, we call it headquarters. So we all meet at headquarters for a weekend and we'll put in my food plots and mow and stuff like that. And everyone, everyone does their best that they can to help out. Some of them don't live local anymore, but uh, like Zach lives in Oklahoma now. David lives in Wisconsin now. Kyle lives in Iowa. So we don't really have a, a whole big group like that lives around here as much anymore, but they, we all do, do our best to uh, maintain my little slice of uh, property and so that everyone can keep coming back. Yeah, that's cool, so, man. We got a bunch of those clubs around here and, I, I don't know what they do, but that sounds like a badass place to hang out for me. I wish we had a club like that. We could yeah. go to and have a cabin. And even if it was 40 acres, you just let all your bros go out there and bang on it. And mm -hmm. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an open invitation. Cause it used to be just me and my grandpa and my dad. Well, then my folks got divorced and he's been gone for like 12 years. And so it's just me and my grandpa. Well, my grandpa's 84 and he's hard, you know, it's hard for him to get around anymore. He doesn't really care about hunting at all. And he had, um, and his brother's really sick. So he's kind of out of it. You know, he just, he's not really into it right now. He just got other things on his mind. So, uh, it's just been me. It's just been me taking care of the place. 
and the cabin needs a lot of work, but it's to the point where if I'm only over there periodically, then it is what it is. But it's hard to spend $2,000 to replace the floor um, in a cabin you never go to, but, or you do don't spend a lot of time at. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to maintain it, but I know I don't ever want to see it go away. So that's what the guys, that's what the boys, that's what the, the boys are for. Nice. Yeah. That's definitely, that's a cool thing that you kind of made a, made a joke, started out as a joke, but now it's turned out that's actually something pretty valuable and getting that command companionship and learning from each other. And, you know, definitely hoping, you know, promoting good things about, you know, antlers just being extra credit. Uh, like I said, when we were talking before, there's a lot of guys and we we're serious when it comes to hunting. We like to kill big deer, but there's some guys that take it to a whole new level and, you don't kill every year you're this and if you don't kill big deer you're this and i feel like there's more and more guys that are coming out like you and i think the reason it is is because people are saying it's okay to be like that when before there's very few pages that said yeah it's okay to go out and shoot some does you know what i mean go out and have a good time so props to you for starting the page and and promoting just positivity about hunting instead of antlers or size or whatever. Yeah. We like, we, we like to keep the page half comedy, half hunting. And, um, our slogan had from the beginning has been, um, family, friends and QDM. So we just want to do what's best for hunting really. And, and we all have big time goals. Like we all want to shoot huge, huge, massive deer and all this stuff. And, you know, um, have all the success in the world and we do to an extent and, but it's not the biggest issue. It's not the most important. The most important is having, you know, five to 10 of your boys come for three days and drink an exorbitant amount of beer and eat chef Boyardee out of the can for a couple of days and just deer hunt and have a good time. Have a good time. Yeah. Just cut loose. That's what need, that's what needs. That's what it used to be in the past. You know what I mean? And I think there's a few guys out there that are trying to bring that back. And that's that's the way it needs to be. I mean, there's times to go out and try to kill the deer, but we we had a podcast. I mean, homie, we were trying to think of just some tradition that we could start where it's kind of like that, where we meet up, all the kids hang out, like round shotgun season, have a place to hang out, come drink some beers, kids are running around. Um, you know, guy shoots deer that's around here. He brings it over. Everybody checks it out. That's what I want. I want a spot to do that. I think that'd be awesome. Just have a community around it. And I feel like shotgun season, people are a little bit less strict or laid back. You know what I mean? But when I was um, a kid, when I was a kid, outdoor TV ruined me, you know, I, I think when I was, no, when I was a freshman in high school, I, um, I had double knee surgery, so I couldn't walk for months. And, uh, but I crutched out to my deer stand every morning during shotgun season. So I, you know, I was 15, I was full of piss and vinegar and I was doing it the hard way. And I'd have my dad drop me off at the road and I would crutch three quarters of a mile or a quarter mile or whatever down this, this road in the pitch black with my, gun all my hunting stuff and my orange on crutches getting to my deer stand when I was 15 and then I would climb up the, my deer stand I'd wait 
did all day sits because there's no way I'm crutching all the way back and then going back just to eat a cold yeah. bowl of soup. Yeah. So I all day sits for three days. Anyway, like noon on Sunday, this deer, it was a buck. I thought it was bigger than it was. Well, I was, they come out of the creek and I'm sitting there. My legs are swollen like you wouldn't believe. And I turn around, I shoot this buck. It runs up a hill, dies in, uh, dies in this field. And my grandpa sees it go down. And this is pre-cell phone. So um, we had um, little walkie-talkies, but the batteries were dead. And he, uh, when I shoot it and it runs up the hill, I crutch back to the road and he gets a hold of me and he goes, did you shoot the little buck and run up here? I said, what do you mean little? You know, that thing's monster. And, <laughs> and I'm crutching through this field and he pulls it up and he's got the, the deer already on the uh, trailer. And it was like a little basket seven. And I said, yeah, well, that's the deer. <laughs> and ever since then, I felt I, I, I didn't feel any, you know, any bad. I didn't feel bad about myself at all uh, for shooting that deer until I went to school the next day. And everybody in my class, it was uh, my AP algebra or whatever. They, they said, oh, did you go deer hunting? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I got a, a seven pointer. And this one nerd who has no idea what he's talking about. He goes, yeah, well, uh, there was a girl in my class. He goes, so-and-so shot an eight pointer. <laughs> <laughs> and then so for, you know, a month or so, I was the crippled kid that got out hunted by a girl. <laughs> and, and, um, so ever since then I was like, I ain't never doing that again. I'm never shooting a little buck as long as I live, forget that. And then, so since, then okay so that was 15 years ago so for 15 years i hadn't i haven't i haven't shot a buck okay i haven't recovered a buck i've shot plenty i've shot a couple that um that i didn't find for one one reason or another either i missed them or this past year i wounded it and couldn't find it um but other than that i wouldn't even pick up my bow for deer that a lot of people would think I was stupid for passing. And in hindsight, I was stupid for passing those deer because I never did the stepping up to, you know, I, I went from, you know, 80 inch basket racks to now I'm only shooting, you know, deer that make me shit my pants. You know, there's yeah. no, I never would did the in between. And I regret that wholeheartedly. Cause now I'm, you know, I'm a couple months away from 30 and, I don't have shit to show for it. And other than a lot of time and money and does. So I wish I, I wish I would have done, gone about it differently growing up, but it is what it is. I feel like I'm smarter now because of it, but I just wish I would have, I wish I would have more deer to show for it, but whatever. We're, I'm at that point now where. Yeah. Homie did this uh, kind of the same thing where he, you know, shot, seen a big one get shot then shot a decent one with his bow and then just held out for an absolute giant and passed on. I was the complete opposite. I just, I killed everything, you know, spikes, fork and horn, six pointer, 
One year during Missouri rifle season, I killed two six pointers and you couldn't tell a difference in between each <laughs> one of them. <laughs> I had them right next to each other. You, there wasn't a half inch difference in them, them by score. Just absolute well, dinks. And I shot them a day apart. First day of shot rifle season, second day, right? <laughs> well, you guys, you guys know my cousin from, yeah. uh, uh, I think he was two Christmases ago. It was his episode. Well, he and I have been tight for, you know, not our family's so big that we have cousins we've never met. And, uh, but he and I, when I moved back, um, back to Illinois, he and I got really, really, really tight and we started hunting together and he's the kind of dude where he'll text me, Hey, I just shot a nice buck. And then I'll get one of two responses at the, like later in the afternoon, I'll either get the, Never mind, it's a two-year-old, or I'll get, or I'll get the holy shit, he's bigger than I thought. Text, and I feel like you and him have a lot in this, a lot in common because it's like, if it looks like a good deer, and I'll just shoot it, but you, you know it could go either way. Yeah, but yeah. There's been a lot of deer. I just look at him like, why would you shoot that, you stupid son of a bitch? And then there's a couple times where I'm like, oh my god, how are we gonna get this monster out of here? And, uh. But he's only he's five years older than me, and he's done it the hard way his whole life. So I got I learned probably more from him than I do from anybody. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's definitely he's, a good hunter, man. He's out there he's, slaying. So he's he's just now to the point where he's having success every year, yeah. and he just turned thirty five. So yeah. it if, takes time, man. People people think they can just walk on there, and like me, to being straight, I've said it on this podcast multiple times. My my success year after year. It came from property, man. You get a good property with good deer on it, you can kill. You can be dumb and you can kill. Yeah, but you learn. Every time you kill, you learn so much. And then once you get two good bucks under your belt, you're like, man, I'm going to work a little harder. Then you get the third one. Then you're like, damn, I'm going to make sure I kill this year. So I'm going to work extra hard. And then it just compounds. So I think there's a lot more into it. But if a guy can consistently kill year after year, he's got something figured out. So you're, yeah. your cousin – definitely out there doing it the hard way and killing solid bucks yeah he's done it he's hunted the same state parks forever yeah since he was since he was a kid like 14 or whatever and, and that's uh, another thing i think those years on property that is huge too you start figuring a property out after the third fourth fifth year once you find something that works it's gonna work until something crazy makes it you know mess up yeah. And I, I was the opposite. I didn't hunt really much public at all. Cause I had me and my grandpa's place. Then I had that 600 acre spot that was closer to my mom's house. So I hunted pretty much just there. And he was, he was always calling me. He's like, dude, come out to, um, come out to my spot. We'll go blah, blah, blah. And then I moved to where I live now, which is twice as far from my place, me and my grandpa's place. And uh, twice as far from where that 600 acres is, but just down the road next to where I work, I've got 20 some thousand acres of public that's broken up into a bunch of pieces. So now based on just proximity alone, I've started hunting there a lot and I love that place. Problem is super hard to figure out. Yeah. But I just, have this time, man. I've put in, I put in enough time and effort into maps and walking and all that that i i got on some good deer this year and i just happened to not 
I just happened to wound it instead. Well, you get on that deer this year, next year, there's going to be a deer in that area. You know, another solid deer, big deer like to be in the same areas year after year. The big deer is there. A, there's a reason and they'll be there a, again. I've got a, uh, a Magnum. Um, I don't know the, your guys' Magnum deer. Is there like a, obviously there's a lot of people that know about it. I've got one of those deer as well. And, uh, when we get out, when we get done recording, I'll show you because this thing will, it, if I ever saw this in, 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 on the hoof, Oh my God. <laughs> but yeah, I got pictures. I got pictures of it. A camera that I just let soak in a new spot. Didn't look at it. Didn't go hunt there at all or anything. I go back and look it up and pick it up last month. And this thing's in there for seven straight days. Wow. And, and then I, found out through the grapevine there's a lot of other people that know about this deer so it's one of those things where i gotta play chess not checkers yeah yeah all right well uh let the let the listeners know where they can find your page and and see some Um, comedy and some positivity uh we're on instagram it's just pctdha that's our primary social media outlet um but if you're going to want to contact me directly it's pctdha at gmail.com um, if you send us a message on Instagram, there's only about a 50, 50 chance you'll get me because there's about six of us that have that password. So, and also check out me and my cousin on uh, good sit productions on YouTube. That's his, uh, that's his baby right now. He's doing most of the work on it, but we're going in the right direction. So yeah, uh, I like that's, where, yeah. that's where you can find, find me. Um, yeah, if uh, anything else, I guess just let me know. All right. Well, we appreciate coming on, man. No problem, dude. Thanks for having me. If you can't tell, uh, Brian definitely likes to have a fun time with him and his buddies doing this. And, um, you know, a lot of people take hunting seriously, but them group of guys, I can tell you right now, like to have fun. And a lot of people need to just kind of get back to that, take a step back from, you know, the big buck and um, having history and, you know, the whole bit and just realize that, you know, we're not hunting for food necessarily anymore. We're hunting because we enjoy it and it is a fun time. So um, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a pretty funny one there to start with. So we appreciate you guys tuning in and remember to always try to do the right thing. Leave a legacy and Whitetail Legacy is out.